Well, hello there once again and welcome to the Jewish Mother Me podcast. This is the podcast in which we, three Jewish mothers who have all been mothered by Jewish mothers, more importantly, want to bring you some of the things that we've learned, some of the ways of life that we observe having been brought up and influenced by a Jewish mother and what we've learned along the way, the mistakes that we make, the pieces of wisdom we've accrued and how we're still probably part of a learning curve. In the process, we want to mother you. We may even want to smother you. But most importantly, we want you to feel that at the end of this, there is hope and a cause for feeling uplifted. And we want to possibly just subvert the cliche, which is why, despite the lovely introduction by Avram Aronson, we got rid of it off the turntable very quickly. My name's Angela Epstein. My name is Lynn Dover. And Noemi Lopian. Hello. And together we three have been friends for ooh, more decades. years, decades and more. And we've shared all sorts of life experiences. And we hope we're going to share some stuff with you here today as well. This week, we're going to look at the theme of companionship. Matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. No, not matchmaking in the conventional sense, more putting two people, two concepts together and seeing if they get along and seeing if we can make a successful union. That's the problem though, isn't it? That whenever you say Jewish mother, somebody's single, somebody else is single, as a very good friend of mine said, two single people don't equal a couple. Very true but we can try and somehow I feel that we're almost wired to try. And I also feel that human beings themselves are wired to try. It's sort of what everybody wishes for and dreams for is to have a partner. We're not very good on our own as this ugly virus has shown us. So we'll tell you a little bit about our matchmaking experience or what we ourselves experienced with our Jewish mums or our Jewish mums friends or so-called friends eh? <laughs> yeah <laughs> no, but it, it's true i mean the thing is that uh, and this in case uh, you're thinking Ugh, smug married alert there's nothing worse than smug marriage i always think of that scene from one of the bridget jones films when she walks in and there's several young couples around the table yeah. and they're called things like kevin and julie hello <laughs> you know and she's got to sit there quietly by herself she said she'd rather go home and be eaten by an alsatian or something so this is about companionship because there's an awful lot of loneliness out there isn't there really I think yes and and the the lockdown has been very difficult for some people because it's isolated the fact that they are on their own so we would like all to be together with someone have someone to sound off to and offload to and equally to be a listener to like we've said previously yes that it's important to take and give in the listening front exactly it's not, it doesn't all have to be about sensational sex does it Noemi certainly not <laughs> I don't know why she picks on me ladies and gents but certainly well, you've, not. you've been a GP so you've seen people in all shapes and sizes I certainly have I certainly have and I enjoyed some anecdotes but that's for another Did Time. <laughs> yes, certainly. There were times of that as well, of course. I was interesting, um, and I could see Lynn nodding as well, when you said um, we're wired to it. So what is it about the Jewish mother that makes her want to kind of bring people together? Not necessarily for a smug, married, isn't it all happy ever after, but just this idea, we can't bear this idea of people being by themselves. I think we? that's exactly it. You hit the nail on the head. We want our kids to be settled and to share life's experiences with somebody else. Um, yes, of course, there's a give and take. But above all, ride the waves of lives together. It's much more fun. It's more entertaining. It can also be heartbreaking. But 
together makes a huge difference. Life together isn't to the power of two, it's to the power of ten. We are naturally hospitable and I think we also like to see people happy and comfortable in their lives and not struggling on single-handedly so yes I think that's also part of our wanting to match people. We don't always get it right though and and, you know we always say about the Jewish Mother Me podcast you don't have to be Jewish you don't have to be a mother you don't have to be a woman even Um, it doesn't matter the whole idea is that it's not that you need to be a Jewish mother but maybe you may or may not benefit from having the Jewish mother in your life and we've all known what it's like haven't we for someone to try and match make us. I mean, I love the story you always tell about when you were a student in uh, in Boston. I I was lucky enough as part of my degree uh, to go to Boston University for a few weeks and do a some sort of minor research project. And um, I had arrived in Boston and I had found the flat that I was subletting from another dental student and turned up at a, a local kosher bakery. I was standing in the queue and a lady approached me and said, who am I um, and where was I from and uh, would I like to come for Friday night dinner? So that harps back to previous discussions about Friday night dinner. And when I arrived at her house, having never met her before her son was sitting there all polished up and shiny (laughs) but it's um, a bit like we said earlier that just because you're two single people doesn't necessarily mean there's going to be chemistry but it was quite amusing that I'd just turned up wasn't expecting it and then there he was almost sort of served up on a plate all sort of ready did you fancy him not particularly no No. was it painful it was, was it a, a little bit, it was a lot awkward. And when yeah. my parents went on holiday to a Latin Israel some years later, they came across an American couple who, who, when they heard what my parents' name was, said, oh, we met a girl once who was called that. <laughs> I love this and story. it was the parents of this boy who had then settled down and had his own family and so had I. But it was quite bizarre that... Uh, but you see, the parents, world. that mum had never forgotten you, no, had she? No, no. Well, she'd never forgotten my name. I don't know if she had uh, taken <laughs> you personally <laughs> I hadn't actually. Can you imagine this beautiful young girl? You can't see, but she is beautiful. No. Dental student um, appears from, you know, and you've got all the exotica of coming from the UK, which sounds a bit odd. It's almost like some people would say, we have a word which we call beshert, which is Mm. fake. Don't you find sometimes people say with matchmaking, they were meant to be together. Definitely. There's That's, a lot There's a lot of that, isn't there? Because sometimes you meet somebody sort of so by chance or even in matchmaking, um, the person you think of is not maybe who you'd usually think of, etc. Or you think very, very hard and, and go through a whole resume. So there's, it's every time we do talk about destiny. Yeah, definitely. I think destiny is something that we, sure. we do really appreciate and, and have faith in. Things are meant to be and we're quite philosophical about lots of life events that, and that's the way we deal with things. So your bachette, it means that there is somebody out there for you and you've just got to wait and find them. So what we're sort of talking about today is not the old-fashioned concept of matchmaking, which you may have garnered if you've watched anything like Fiddler on the Roof, is that this isn't about matchmaking or the smug married need for everybody else to be in a couple. Um, It's about this idea of companionship. Introduce somebody to somebody else who may form a nice companion for you and they may do what they want with that introduction afterwards. Maybe it'll be marriage. Maybe it'll just be somebody to go to the cinema with. Maybe it'll just be a friendship. Maybe it'll be for afternoons of spectacular sex. But the point being, <laughs> I only say that to make Lynn Flint. Yeah. 
<laughs> but in all, Noemi's rock hard. Can't, yeah. It takes more than that. But the point being that um, it is really nice to introduce people to each other because there's nothing worse than being lonely just to have the companionship and maybe we're trying to sort of import a bit of that that Jewish motherness that we've had into that world so I mean Noemi you know we were talking before about this idea of Jewish mothers champing at the bit but there is a whole area of Orthodox Judaism which where the the concept of the matchmaker I think we must nod to it does Correct, exist yeah. doesn't very it very much so and in the ultra orthodox world it's really the parents of the future groom and future bride you have the matchmaker who introduces the two young people to each set of parents and then it's the parents knowing about the background of uh, each respective young person who then make up their minds and they almost then present the young couple to each other and they of course can say yay or nay but there's a lot of acceptance in the way that they've been brought up and no I'm not talking about forced marriage the young couple certainly have a say but it's very accepted say somebody like me who is orthodox light um, what does orthodox light mean tell us <laughs> that's a whole other chapter I call myself that so I am orthodox I keep the sabbath you've got I a suppose. foot in both worlds I, I have think a, that's do you think I have I have a foot in both worlds certainly said. in the secular and in the Jewish world we also have uh, so-called matchmakers but they can be friends in my daughter's case I was very fortunate in both girls that it was actually friends of both girls who introduced the girls to their future husband and now their future groom for the second so daughter. So it was, it was the same thing, it was this idea of same these concept. were young girls, they were only sort of whatever, 20, late teens, yeah. 20s, but they had that innate desire for people to meet other people so they should be together. Not that they should be married off, but because they wanted them to have that companionship. I think they were ready to entertain the idea. Yes, no, it, well, they weren't ready like a chicken is ready coming out of the oven, but they were ready to entertain <laughs> the idea of a, of a future that was possibly married. Yeah, absolutely. Because they're brought up in that world. And I suppose in the more secular world, we also look for, but we call them partners. So we don't necessarily go into the marriage, but certainly people look for partners when they're at a certain age in their 20s and uh, early 30s. It's sort of almost in us to, in inverted commas, settle down. There is definitely that. And, and this isn't to knock some of the ways that people choose to meet partners or look for companionship. There's a whole world of Tinder, social media platforms that provide opportunities, online dating. All of these things exist. And that's great. And it works for some people. It doesn't work for others. There are even Jewish dating sites. But that's great. If it works for you, fantastic. But I think uh, what we're saying about the Jewish mother approach to uh, companionship is bringing that personal element. Somebody says to you, such and such is by herself. It might not be quite as crude as Lynn's potential soulmate being served up like a dinner in front of her. Pretty much, it was the first course. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's, but it's more this idea of just thinking they don't want to be by themselves. But I remember you saying that, um, where were you? And, and one was, of the mothers uh, in the kitchen said, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, that was, <laughs> so that was another occasion uh, where somebody... <laughs> But I still am friendly with now um, this who, who he is happily married and but wasn't for me at the time and we had been invited round and the mum the hostess shuffled up to me sort of halfway through the meal and went well. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes you see sometimes some Jewish mothers because believe me the Jewish Mother Me podcast is not about saying 
aren't we, you know, somewhere at the top of the food chain? We do make gargantuan mistakes as well. So, you know, that was a situation where sometimes these mothers, they don't actually even try to do a, an Oscar-worthy whisper, do they? No, there's no of, such thing exactly. as a stage how, whisper. How did you find your husband, Angela? Tell us. Well, yeah. actually, um, I met him when I was 18 on a street corner. I mean, that yeah, sounds a bit random. I wasn't working yet. <laughs> But he was somebody that I knew that was a few years older than me. And I found him rather dazzling. He was with somebody who I knew and I was with somebody that he knew and we were walking along on a Saturday afternoon, which is our Jewish Sabbath and and in the sort of quasi-Orthodox and more community because we don't work, we don't use our cars. It's almost quite Jane Austen night. We take a stroll on a Saturday afternoon. You do? And we stopped on a street corner and we, we got chatting. And I was bedazzled by the fact that he had a golden tan and also that his hair was a mixture of sun-kissed brown and lighter. And he'd just been to Greece, oh. which is a whole different conversation. I love Sounds Greece. so romantic. Yeah, and I thought, who is this Adonis? What <laughs> blew it later <laughs> is that his Jewish mother had taken him to a local hairdresser's, I don't think it exists, called Maison Henry to have streaks in his hair. I thought he'd been sun-kissed and everything. And that's how we started. But I think it's important to say, and it sort of went on and off for four torturous years before he finally said, "Okay, can't do better, could do worse, and uh, and (laughs) proposed. We didn't propose. He rang me up and said, my parents have been talking, they think we should get married, uh, which was wonderful. But I remember being on a radio programme in my other life as a journalist with somebody quite well-known, a politician who has been resolutely single. She's never wanted to get married and we were talking about the concept of meeting people and I was telling her the Jewish way and she said I would find that most offensive if I walked into a dinner party and uh, there was somebody there like you said who uh, who was there specifically to meet me I don't want to meet them I don't want to be served up like that and you know it's completely understandable if that's not your way but you I mean knowing me of the three of us you were the youngest to get married I mean you were what I was, yeah, just 20. I was 19 when I got engaged. And had yeah. that been preceded by matchmaking? I mean, did it come about yeah. early because you were introduced? Yes, it did come about by matchmaking. And um, First of all, the matchmakers were not impressed that I was studying medicine. I was made to feel that I was doing something awful and uh, my marriage career was really? over. And uh, be prepared that my siblings will get married way before <gasps> me. And uh, there was a lot of pressure an uncle who was never very much involved in my life came round when he heard I was studying medicine and asked my mother not to allow it because I'll never get married so there was all that what, um, do, what do you mean is that because women were considered you wouldn't be a homemaker or probably yeah okay. probably not yeah definitely not because the rabbi at our wedding actually said I must bring that's all I remember from the rabbi's wedding speech is <laughs> 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 that I must bring Danny his slippers and I thought Mm-mm, he's not marrying that sort of what? wife <laughs> but I was too timid to go up to him mercifully and say to the rabbi no no that's not Noemi and it wasn't Noemi he had to fend for himself because but, but when you were at university as a married woman you see there's a there's a tendency to for people to think oh it's all about being a smug married it was the quite opposite you didn't want people to know you were married did you I didn't want people to know and um, my husband and my mother-in-law at the time expected me to wear a head covering and I was really for religious reasons reasons, I should say yeah as a religious married woman and I was mega embarrassed but being at uni everybody wore all sorts I could get away with it but I really almost hid that I was married because I felt 
that I was so different to the other students. And of course, I was young and wanted to live and was allowed to live, but I didn't advertise that I was and married. You, you didn't get married while you were at university. No, did I didn't. You? I didn't. I didn't get married till I was 23. And like I said, we were on, we were off, we were on, we were off. And like you, no, Lynn, well, I, I also couldn't have. I don't think I had the headspace to deal with studying and all the stuff that goes with getting married as young as that. I just was not capable of juggling so many balls. And I remember at my friend's graduation, I had a friend of mine who whose grandfather came to graduation and said, never mind about your BSc, what about an MRS? <laughs> <laughs> That's far more important. And, and she's a is she an happy, MRS and a BSc? She is an MRS and a BSc, and she managed to do both. But the, for some people, um, juggling... Um, the commitments of being married and studying was was, was yeah, it's, a lot. It's way, and it, it could be the sort of subject for me. that is way off the page for some people. The very idea of settling down. I mean, people are settling down and meeting up with their sort of so-called life partner later and later. And like I say, the, the podcast today is about finding companionship and how hopefully we always try and import something from our Jewish mother world into the world outside. It's really nice, actually, if you can try and help people find someone without for fear of sounding smug or being a, an interfering witch. Uh, it, it's this idea of sort of bringing people together and just trying to find ways of people that can be together, if you like. Lynn, considering you were a career woman, you know, long, difficult course, and then you met your husband, but it was all very cool. You were the opposite with me. I I was up and down, off and on and off and on, and yours was, was chick-chack, as they say. Yeah, in I think dish. we started dating at the beginning of November, got engaged at the beginning of March, uh, the following March, and we were married by the following November, and here we are, thirty-one years later. But why? Still how married. did you? How did you know? You see, the thing is that Jackie Mason, the famous Jewish comedian, who I recommend looking up because he's just extraordinarily funny, and he says, "What about is it that everybody at the age of twenty-four gets married?" Because he's basically saying that a lot of people, certainly in this kind of culture, they marry the person they're with at the time that they hit that age. I think it's a confluence of ideal factors all coming together at once. So I'd finished studying, I had met somebody I quite liked and um, it just seemed right and I had the headspace and the time and the timing was right and he, we were all sort of reasonably on the same page about things like that. I was, We weren't um, vastly different people from very different backgrounds and it it, it seemed all right at yeah, the time yeah absolutely and and also I think uh, I mean we should mention that obviously in the times in which we live unfortunately people's partnerships or long-term partnerships break up for all sorts of reasons there are unprecedented unexpected things like um, somebody has a bereavement there's divorce there's partnerships where people aren't married but they break up and one of the things that people talk about when they know somebody's had a fairly difficult period of of, of emotional difficulty is who do we know it's that question isn't it people think who do we know for them very true yeah because we want to make life good again and sweet again and not see them sad as it were and of course one love doesn't replace the other love is infinite and human beings have an infinite capacity to love so it doesn't take away when the person has a new partner but it gives them that companionship like I said before to share life again and I think that's really important. And I think you have different um, requirements at different ages as well so so I think companionship probably it's important all the way through but as you get older and you face different 
challenges and trials in your life, I think companionship becomes more and more important as well. I mean, the thing is that one of the things about if marriage may be your thing, it may not be your thing. I remember once taking part in a television debate and it was with the editor of a smart women's glossy magazine. One of these magazines that was all about empowerment and all about um, being liberated and all the things that we celebrate as busy 21st century post-millennial women we're all we might be traditional and have our, our be up to, to, to the knee load in um, in chicken soup but we also have careers we have whatever all the other things too and we were debating the importance of marriage and um, she was giving all the reasons why she hadn't married her long-term partner which were she was entirely entitled to have and I was giving all the reasons about you know how I felt more secure and whatever and I felt empowered there was no right or wrong in the debate it depends where you sit and then I leaned forward and said, by the way, has he ever asked you? And she said, why is that relevant? I said, well, it's a fairly moot point. You know, you're anti-marriage. Has he ever asked you? And she said, well, I, don't, I, don't. I said, simple question. And she said, well, no, but that's not the point. So sometimes, you know, I think certainly I've known, I call them girls still, women, friends, where there's a fear sometimes about sending out the wrong signals. So if you say this is a nice person to meet, because we always want to find somebody so people won't be lonely, we're going to send the wrong signals. Because you were talking the other week, then, weren't you, about um, a young man that you know from around who you were hoping to introduce to somebody else. And you thought maybe the other person didn't show up because they might have been scared off. Yeah, I think um, it's important to uh, not to entrap people, but uh, because that's not <laughs> fair. With also with a big hook or something. And I had I had invited the two of them round for an informal gathering, and but we had told the girl that uh, this person was going to be there, and, and she just didn't come. There were other people around. It didn't. It wasn't terrible, yes. and it was not awkward in any way. But it just. It's but, nice to give people the choice. It's not a matter of, of trapping people in. No, it, it isn't. Well. It it's isn't. funny, though, because even though we felt awkward when we were young, having that experience, yet as middle-aged women, we're doing exactly the same. Po- that We we are poachers to yeah. gamekeepers, aren't yes, we? Yes, perfect. Exactly that. We really are. So I suppose the, the, the question Turning is... Turning our Jewish mothers. Yeah. Yes, we are. As, we refle- <laughs> as we've reflected on the whole idea of not matchmaking, as we've said, we're not matchmaking. We are looking at ways to identify just where people might feel lonely and this is not about getting brownie points though you do feel good if you do it it's about sort of just thinking he's a really nice person they're a really nice person wouldn't it be nice if we could possibly make maybe your 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 co-interviewee on that radio program was very happy with her lot without being married as well. It may well well be and you're absolutely right but I also think yes because one thing I have learned and it's only anecdotal evidence based on asking four people is that some people say I don't want to get married and then you realise they're very defensive because they haven't been asked but equally there are women who will send out massive balls of kinetic energy and signals saying please ask me it happened recently you know when my eldest son who is 29 and he got married a year and a half ago and um, at the engagement party I got chatting to one of his lovely friends and um, she had been with her young man for quite some time and probably because I'd had too much cheap supermarket plonk I said um, oh it would be so nice if you could be next which is disastrous thing to say because (laughs) what all the things but actually you're right but she said well can you Maybe you could say something to him. Oh, exactly. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes we're worried about saying things. So 
girls, what's the best way, do you think, about, you know, if, if you're not part of this whole Jewish mother world and you may be behind the couch now thinking, oh, my God, this sounds dope, sounds like a bear pit. How do we delicately go about, what advice from what we've learned, not because we know this stuff, but what we've learned from trial and error and heartache, how can you help people to possibly meet each other who don't want to do the tinder and online stuff without making them feel that they don't have dignity or agency over themselves any any thoughts about how we can our takeaway wisdom for how we can do that we try and make them feel as much at ease as possible and maybe do it like lynn invited not not just as one couple like i was invited with a young man uh just the young man myself and the couple that invited us and i could barely open my mouth and you can hear, dear listeners, that I'm very at ease with opening my mouth, sometimes too much. So um, I was very tongue-tied and very shy and very embarrassed. And the poor young man was talking about chickens an awful lot and he must have been very nervous. So I think try and do it in a crowd where they can appear and disappear. But uh, people like us shouldn't be shy from trying to do it because ultimately people are grateful. Once that embarrassment is broken, like the ice is broken or feeling embarrassed, people are glad and it can work and Did it does he, work. Was he nice looking? This was obviously no, many years ago. he wasn't. Years ago, he wasn't. <laughs> so there is. So, okay. There is so, that as well. There is. Course. So the, the, the massive <laughs> elephant stomping around the room <laughs> yeah, is the fact, wouldn't you say, there has to be a little bit of the old chemistry I think, there. yeah, there needs <laughs> to be. Oh, definitely. There definitely needs to be definitely. more of that there are just, that these are two single people, let's put them together. There has to be a bit more to it than that, I think, as yeah. well. But there might and, be the chemistry, like you at the street corner yes. with your hubby, you know, you just saw him and the chemistry was yes and, and also there. you have to if you have if you're making these people aware that there might be somebody there for them make them aware that you're only doing it out of good motives because no, you are it's yeah. from the heart it's not because Definitely. you want to punish anybody or give them a horrible the time it's because you want to see people happy and that's yeah. the bottom line and that we're not being and 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 the most important Very thing much. i think is that there is no smugness about it Definitely i think not. there is always a danger don't you think that People can play fast and loose with other people's feelings. Oh, I know yeah, a no. friend of mine who was single said um, she hated the fact that people made decisions on her behalf. She'd hear about something afterwards and, and an event or something. They said, well, we didn't ask you because they were, they were all couples and we didn't want you to feel awkward. She wouldn't have wanted to go, but let her have the dignity of saying no thanks. So don't you think that's something else we have to remember? But very These much. People's feelings. Very much. And, you know, the ideal crowd is, if, if you are a bit older, is to invite a mixed crowd of couples and singles. That, that mirrors normal life, how we normally would. Don't single people out. And very much always give people the choice to respond or not, because one day they might feel like that and another day, like we all know, we might feel differently and they'll catch the angling line and say yes. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, and there be. is, I would just say as a final point, I don't know if any of you have ever pulled off what Lynn referred to earlier as the shidduch, the coming together of... We use yeah. we use the word shidduch in a very, very sort of colloquial way. It's not an official shidduch when it's not people from an orthodox community. We, we, I've got a 100% success rate. Have you? Oh. We went out for a meal and um, another couple brought a lady... For this gentleman. You brought the gentleman We with. brought the gentleman and they brought along their friend, the, the lady, and these people have been married for oh, 25 years how now. wonderful. And, uh, and you're supposed to be guaranteed a place in heaven. You are. Oh, if you yeah, make yeah. a successful <laughs> shit. I if you'd mentioned and, that. Yeah, and could you, you tell, could you tell in this restaurant that um, when you walked in, could you tell it was zing or was it a slow burner? Because... 
there's quite a lot of responsibility because if it's disastrous and he does smile to reveal a single rotting tooth or something, then, you know, that's your responsibility we too. We knew it wasn't a disaster and I think that's all we could say at that time. We knew it wasn't... Th- th- I think th- it's they everybody's... quite liked each other and it could have got... It had legs, basically, yeah, yeah. this situation. And it's everyone's responsibility. We're just the introducers and it's up to the couple themselves to say and they yes were, or nay, They were know? mature adults, these yeah. two people, so they could easily have walked away. It's not like you were holding a gun to And I think even when you're said. young, you can walk away and like I did with the chicken guy and just said, no, thank you. <laughs> you know, it wasn't chicken for me. Not, not, I still now talk an awful lot about chicken dinners. <laughs> Morning. <laughs> Noon and lies, but yeah. just just before we go, Noemi, yeah. um, and we we sort of round off with our takeaway wisdom for this week. You did get married very young, so how did you? You've been very silent on how you uh, met your husband. My yes. husband was practically the boy next door when I moved to England. I was thirteen, he was sixteen, and his parents invited us to his house for Sabbath or festive meals, and vice versa. But. Uh, my husband's called Danny, and Danny said to me when he was 16, God, I couldn't wait to leave your house after dinner. It was so boring. It was so boring. <laughs> and I wasn't particularly interested in him. And, and when we were older, then um, he'd walk me to school. And then he did ask me out at, when I was so you, 19, yeah. And, so you were, even though you both came we from were orthodox first. families, you, yeah. And that, I suppose that's that's a beautiful way to kind of round off because yeah. it may be that you're introducing people to each other who simply have a very fulfilling friendship. That's the whole thing about what we've tried to say this week, which is everybody loves a bit of companionship if they're lonely. Not everybody wants it if they're not lonely. So one of the great things to do is just think, this could be a nice companion for that. What they do with that is up to them. I don't know if you had any other final thoughts that you wanted to say. I mean, I was just going to say, just handle it with kid gloves don't go in with the size fives and don't think this is such a great match that I'm not even going to think about the delicacy of the people involved. Very much so. But don't be put off either. You know, it does take courage to make that phone call or just do it. What's the worst thing they can say? No, they're not going to be worse I'm in any worse position. It's the worst <laughs> thing that they could say. <laughs> so there you go. Lots of takeaway wisdom this week on the Jewish Mother Me podcast uh, in which we try to bring you the very best bits we've learned and the painful bits of being a Jewish mother and having been mothered by Jewish mothers and we may even try to smother you too. We do hope you've enjoyed the podcast. My name's Angela Epstein. Noemi Lopian. And I'm Lynn Dover. And uh, we'll be back very soon and we hope you'll join us too. Thanks so much for listening.